The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Good morning. It's a privilege to be here with you this morning, and we love the energy. It's been a while since we've been on a college campus, so this is a great joy for us. You're looking at the topic of commit, and this morning, Scott and I would like to focus on bearing God's light among the globally displaced, our neighbors, and what that means for us, what that means for you, and how can you commit to this ministry, to this role? As we were a bit younger and uh, sitting where some of you are and beginning to uh, head to Asia, that's been a number of years ago, but uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus' words were really important in our lives, and I would like to just think about that with you this morning. Um, Jesus said, let your light shine before other people. Not unfamiliar, is it? And in that light, may they see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. And that's what we have lived for. That's what I think every one of us want to live for, don't we? That other people would see in what we do in our lives, the journey and the story that we bring, giving glory to God. What does that mean to give Him glory? That's something to think about. I think it has to do with just what we sang about. There is no God like Jehovah. And when people realize that, the incomparable goodness of this God, and as they see it in our lives, that's giving glory to Him. And what can be more exciting than seeing Buddhist, Muslim, other neighbors coming to hear our story and giving glory to Him? And that's what we're here to talk about this morning. And another place Peter says, you are a chosen nation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. That's who we are, folks. We need to get a handle on that. Who are we in Jesus? A holy nation. And we are that for a purpose. He said, you're God's peculiar people that you can proclaim His excellencies. The excellencies of the one who pulled you out of darkness into the kingdom of light. Have you moved from the, has God rescued you from darkness to light? If he has, you have a story, and that story is powerful. And you need to be sharing that here. You need to be sharing that in the community where you, you move, where you're shopping, and as you go about life. That's been our experience as we have served these many years, how God would weave our story and then use that story as we uh, share it with others. That's what we're here to talk about for these next minutes this morning. And we're also reminded as we're here today that uh, life is precious. Time may be shorter than we realize sometimes in life. And we have to seize every moment that God gives us to help others come to know Him. I mentioned that we lived in Taiwan for 26, almost 27 years, um, involved in ministry there and raised our four children there. And 19 years ago, our daughter Amy was on this campus for her freshman year of college. She lived in these dorms, she sat in this chapel, um, she studied in these halls, and she worked a job in the nearby community. And she was grappling with, what did God want her to do with her life? 
How can she prepare for that? What can I learn while I'm here to get ready for what the Lord has? Questions like you are all asking at this point, seeking God's will and God's direction. Well, none of us would have imagined that seven years later, while she was teaching fourth grade in Charlotte, North Carolina, the Lord would take her home. And on a cold January day, 12 years ago, we were standing by her grave. Life is precious. Life is short. And I think that has gripped us with the urgency of the gospel as we look at people around us. Um, the immigrant, the forcibly displaced people of our world, the refugees, and that is what God has now called us to do. And those that are in this globally displaced uh, people of our world is no small number. Um, about a year and a half ago, the most recent figures that you can find, and 280 million people today are living outside the country in which they were born. And we don't have to look far here today that uh, we find friends that probably are living here, but maybe were born somewhere else. And that's the world that we're in today, folks. If they were all together one country, that would represent uh, probably the fourth largest country in our world today. Uh, many people, and we're rubbing shoulders. We're going to be meeting them. We're going to be working with them um, as we go through life. And that is one piece of it, but 26 million of those have been forced out of their countries to a, a neighboring country because of violence, warfare, sometimes famine or other reasons. But we are dealing with people coming our way, even where we are today, that are part of the 26-plus million refugees in our world. And when they go to those other countries, they're in those tent cities that we see pictures of, and some of them can be there for six, eight, or even 10 or 20 years. Can you imagine spending your whole lives being born in a refugee camp, and that's all you know of, of the world? They can't work there. Parents can't work for a living for income. They're dependent on the UN uh, to, to help them. Uh, and kids don't have education in the, in the schools of that area. So some of them, their education's been neglected for a long time as well. That's the picture of these strangers, the sojourners we read about in our Bible. And I'd just like to remind you as we start today of what God says about that. And, and uh, as he was developing his people, Israel, to be his representatives on earth, he, uh, he talked about what he expected of them. And in Leviticus chapter 19, verses 33 and 34, he says, when a stranger, read that as a, what we call global migrant, people moving uh, internationally, sojourns with you, settles with you in your land, he says, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger in the land uh, who sojourns with you as the native, the long-term resident among you. Is that how people like that are being treated uh, in our neighborhoods today? And he says, you shall love him as yourself because you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Later in Deuteronomy 10, he says this, he, God, executes justice for the fatherless, the widow, and he loves the sojourner or migrant, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, because you are sojourners in the land of Egypt. Now, we've moved internationally. A lot of you have moved internationally or have traveled. 
you have the experience to understand what it means to get pushed into a new place where you're totally unfamiliar. And that's a vulnerable place. And God is on the side of our vulnerable uh, members of our society. And he speaks of the fatherless, the widow, and then these that are moving internationally and landing in our neighborhoods and our communities. Just this week as I was tutoring an after-school program, two of the East African middle school students that I was working with, I got to talking to them about their families. I said, man, what kind of work do, you, do your dads do? Oh, one says, my dad was killed when I was young. And the other one said, yeah, mine too. How many brothers and sisters do you have? Well, I got five brothers and two sisters. Eight of you, right, eight of us. Your mom must be really busy. Well, she was in an accident. Now she can't work. Really? I mean, those are the windows we're finding into the fatherless, the widow, and God's heart for these people that we're rubbing shoulders with in our neighborhoods and in our towns and cities. And many of these are being resettled now to America. One out of five comes to this country when they move internationally. Montgomery County, Bucks County, you're right in the middle of it here in North Philadelphia as well. Thousands being resettled here. The Afghan influx is on our hearts right now. And there are people coming this way where you are living and going to school and shopping, going to restaurants. You're going to be seeing them. There are opportunities right at hand for you to touch base with them. I just ask you this morning, are these people that are so much embedded on God's heart, on your heart? And I'd ask you too, how are you expressing God's love and care, justice to these people that he's bringing our way, the nations that he's bringing to our, our communities today? Those were some questions we asked a couple years ago as we were transitioning from Asia to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, primarily there to care for aging mothers. And all I knew of Lancaster was it's Amish country, they're great buffets. And all of a sudden, a friend of mine came to me and said, Leslie, I wonder if you would join a team of women with me to pray for a refugee family. And I said, refugee in Lancaster? And she said, yes. And she was actually working with one of the resettlement agencies. And she started to share a story with me of a young family that had come from Eastern Africa. They had been in a refugee camp for eight or nine years where most of her children were born and recently resettled to Lancaster and found out she was pregnant with child number five. And with all of the other just adjustments of moving to the United States, new country, new city, new school, new everything, she did not want a baby to. And so she had told my friend, I want to have an abortion. Where do you go to do that? And my friend came to me and said, we need to pray. Let's surround her. And we did. There were a group of four of us from our church who came alongside of this young Muslim mom and provided prenatal support for her, doctor's visits. We helped tutor the children. We did what it took because we wanted her to have this baby. And we found out later, it's not that she didn't want the baby. It's that she couldn't handle a new baby in everything else that was new. And we learned in her culture that it's community that comes alongside these women when a birth of a child takes place. And so we became community for her. And that precious little boy was born four years ago on Scott's birthday. And we celebrated life every year after that. 
but it was that relationship that opened my eyes to there's a lot happening in Lancaster County here among the refugee community. And the Lord began to open more doors for us to get involved, particularly with the Muslim Arabic speaking people. What does a refugee road look like for these families that are being resettled in our, in our communities today? And I think that's important that you realize that, you know, we're dealing with a lot of Syrian families. Uh, that's who we're primarily relating to in Lancaster. And you hear the stories after you get to know them for a year or so about what they've come out of and what they've lived through. Many times they flee across the border. They're going from southern Syria into Jordan, into Lebanon, northern Syria. They're moving into Turkey and even across to Iraq and the Kurdish areas there where they're more protected. These families are moving across border. They can't work there. They're limited to being taken in by the UN High Commission on Refugees, and they run these big tent cities that you see in these countries, and sometimes millions of people uh, in these, these cities, 26 million globally. And in any one year, not more than a million or a million and a quarter of those can be resettled to Western, primarily Western nations willing to take them. How many years is that going to take to move those that are there today, not let alone those that are coming next year. So growing up many times in these, these tent cities puts young people behind in their education. It's a real struggle for them when they finally do meet, uh, get a call to, to come to the U.S. and get resettled. We're dealing with guys in high school that are reading at a second, third grade level maybe, trying to help them come up to speed. There's a role for uh, many of us that could have a, a hand in that perhaps. But that's the picture of the refugee road and then finally, as they wait, they get the call. You're going to Germany. You're going to be in Canada. You're going to be in Australia. You're going to be in the U.S. They don't have a choice in where they end up. It's the call that uh, they get that tells them where they're headed. That's what's behind a lot of these families that you might meet and people you might meet as you rub shoulders with them, uh, even in this uh, community. <coughs> Like Scott said, most of them come from very traumatic situations. Um, war, particularly, just the atrocities of war. We've had friends tell us of their home being bombed, of their business being bombed, of them having to run. Um, and just heartbreaking things. And yet we realize that even some of the things that we have walked through give us the ability to identify as we hear their story. Back in December, we welcomed a new family, a precious family, with four little girls. And one day, I sat down with the mom, and she was asking me about my family. So I was sharing pictures with her from my phone. And I told her about our oldest daughter, Amy, who I told you about earlier. And I said, but she died 12 years ago, and she's in heaven now with Jesus. And she looked at me with tears in her eyes and said, I lost two sons, one in utero, she was pregnant, and the other four years old as she was fleeing a war-torn situation. The trauma and the loss that my friends deal with. But there we could sit together as women and weep the loss of our children and remember together. And it gave me the opportunity to pray with her for God's comfort to be on her life. And we just, we see how God uses the difficult things in our lives 
to weave a picture to be able to share with those who are struggling with trauma as well. Those are the significant points where God bonds us with those that he is calling us to befriend and to serve, even in our communities here. Um, Friday night, we were in a home. Last week, some very dear Syrian friends, uh, the wife got word that her father had just died in the hospital. 61 years old, heart attack, and uh, he was gone. So that initiated three days of mourning. And we were there the third night to share with them. Sat with them for three or four hours, had a chance to pray God's peace over their family with them, share that with them. Three other Syrian families gathered. We sat on the floor and had a, a meal with them. Those are the moments, people, that God opens the opportunities, and they will never forget you are here. You are here at that time. And that gives us the freedom then to be able to share more with them. So how can a person studying in university or working in the workplace, how can a person be able to take steps toward serving those that God is bringing, the refugees, the uh, special visa holders, those that are resettling to our country today? I think that's an important question, and we are finding that the first step for many believers in churches that we, we talk to, uh, others that we work with, are to become part of a team. Uh, six or eight people, ten people, you get together a team, and we help to form teams in churches, and then we work with them to work out, okay, what do you bring to this team? What are areas that you can serve? What's your experience? What work do you do? We have a young woman now, that, uh, a mother with us that, on a team that has worked in uh, the schools in our city for a couple of years. What an asset to be able to uh, help register new students and help them get around the school system. What do you bring to this team? And what you're doing now, your education, your background here, the experiences God is building into your lives, even the sorrowful things he's taking you through and the deep valleys he's taking you through are preparing and shaping you for the work God wants to do with you in proclaiming his excellencies, his incomparable goodness to other people that don't know that in their lives. So think along those lines. Maybe even here in this area, North Philadelphia and, and this area, there are teams that you could be a part of on occasion, uh, until the summer anyway, or perhaps next year, and be serving one of these families coming our way. Volunteer teams work with the resettlement agencies as they place families. We are there to receive them because it takes, it takes a team to help these families get settled as they come. Sorry, this is a little bit distracting here. Use the mic there. Technical difficulties. Sorry about that. Is this okay? Okay. So what does a welcome team do? Well, in December, Scott, and Scott got word from one of our local resettlement agencies that there's a family coming in. Do you have a team ready? Well, we weren't prepared for it that quickly, but we've got a team together, and it's amazing who God brings together. We just love this team. Working with this um, family with four little girls I just mentioned earlier, but what we did initially was get into their home and clean and hang curtains and put food in the refrigerator and 
whatever you would do to get a home ready, that's what we did, because we wanted them to come in and feel at rest and feel at home. So preparing a home is very important. And thankfully, there was a home for them to move into. That is one of the biggest challenges we are facing right now, is finding housing for our refugee families. Um, it's very difficult, but setting up a home, putting in furniture, small appliances, food in the refrigerator, meeting them at the airport. That was the most exciting night. In, front, in fact, a friend of ours calls it airport day. We get to go to the airport and meet a family, and we were able to do it. This family in particular had flown into JFK Airport and then were transported by van down to Lancaster Airport, which is not a very big airport, if you know Lancaster. But um, we were able to be there at 10 o'clock at night and meet this family as they got out of the van with their four little girls. And just to have the privilege of being some of the first faces that may, they meet when they land in their city to welcome them. We were able to escort them to their home and explain things like how the thermostat works and where the heater is and what's in the refrigerator and anyway, just numerous things. But things that come up now with our family are transportation for medical visits. There are a lot of visits at the, at the forefront of their arrival. And so being a driver for a family, it gives you time in the car for conversation. If you're comfortable with that, it's hard to use Google Translate while you're driving. Um, setting up the internet, understanding when does the trash get picked up. You know, it could pile for weeks unless we tell them. So school registration, Scott mentioned this friend of ours who's on this team who is helping these little girls get registered in the school, all their immunizations, uniforms, school supplies. This dear mom doesn't know where to go get those things. And so being the person in the know to help get those things. Social security registration, medical insurance, how to pay a bill. We had a family get mail. Sorting mail is one of the most I didn't realize how difficult it was. I just look at my mail and I throw it away or I save it. Did you know there's pre-sorted mail, there's pre-sorted first-class mail, there's first-class mail. And then there's the stuff that comes with urgent on it that really isn't urgent, but they want you to look at it anyway. So we got a family who got something from Verizon that said if you sign up for this phone plan for 10 days, it's free. So they did that. But what they didn't see was the fine print at the bottom that said you really need to sign up for a whole year, but your first 10 days are free. So when they got the $150 bill and they came to us, they said, what is this about? So walking through mail with our families is really, really important. Those are just some of the things we do. What I love to do is get into the home after school when the kids come home and read books together, or play games together, uno, do a puzzle, do math facts. That's a great thing that you guys can do with these families. And as we have those opportunities, we find out that we are becoming trusted friends. You talk about the urgent on the mail, there's a lot of people willing to prey on newcomers to our communities. Yes. And they are very susceptible. They're vulnerable people and they need people to be advocates for them, helping them learn their way through this society and who they can trust and who they can't. And you can be a trusted friend to a newcomer that God is bringing to your community. Um, that is a role that God has given us to play. And our role is really to see them get on their own to where they can be independent 
in getting around on their own. But young people today could certainly use uh, an older brother or sister like you uh, to come alongside as we're doing this tutoring, after school tutoring, helping them academically. There's a lot of opportunity to build into their lives and to talk over questions about how they see values that are being promoted to them in this society. And uh, parents have a whole different uh, struggle with that. And these families that are transitioning in here need some older brothers, older sisters that they can trust, that they can advise them when it comes to some of these decisions that they're facing as well. And that could be a role that God would open uh, even to you. So God is bringing people our way as trusted friends. And there are some uh, that we find even as they come, we have opportunities to pray with them in their homes. That's often a first step. And I've never seen a Muslim family yet refuse our prayers for them. They invite that. It's interesting to get the text then. Hey, uh, you're traveling. We're praying for you too. Okay, it goes both ways. And we are grateful for their kindness and their friendship in that way as well. Um, we've even seen in some unique cases where God will be preparing the hearts of these that he's bringing our way even before they get to this country. And uh, perhaps Leslie could share an account that we uh, had our eyes open to recently. Young family arrived and of course they get here, there's nothing to do unless somebody takes them. So they were bored at home and our coworkers invited them Sunday morning to come to our fellowship. It's an Arabic English fellowship. Believers, Muslim background believers, and this family came. And it was right before Christmas. The story was, or the message that day was on the, the angel speaking to the shepherds about the birth of Christ. And we always break up into small groups afterwards, men and women, and answer some questions. And the last question was, have you ever had a dream or vision from God? Now, we wouldn't always ask that kind of question, but in this context, it was safe to do. And here was this Muslim mom in our group hearing this through translation, and she responded, yes, yes. And she told our friend her story, and our friend translated for the rest of us who don't understand Arabic. And this woman told us that a couple weeks before they knew they were coming to the United States, she had had a dream one night of a man in brilliant white, so brilliant she could not see his face, but he identified himself as Esau, Jesus in Arabic. And she said he came to her in this dream and said, you are soon going to a place of peace and rest. A week later, the UN came to them and said, prepare now, your family is going to the United States. To her, coming to, to this place was that place of peace and rest. And at that table, we had the chance to say to her, no, that place of peace and rest is in Jesus Christ. And I believe God has prepared her heart to hear more of the message of his love for, for them. As Leslie mentioned, as we've joined hands with others that have served in, the, uh, served in the Middle East and have Arabic language, there is a group coming together. And if they're all there at any one time, there are about eight or nine. Uh, those that have been out of an Islamic upbringing, but that have, in God's mercy, been brought from darkness to light and have been baptized and have committed their lives to following Jesus Christ. 
That is a group that has come together and we meet with them every Sunday at this point in Lancaster. God is at work among the nations that he's bringing our way, brothers and sisters. This isn't something that's just a, a hope. He is at work today and we are seeing him moving among even those that are coming out of Muslim backgrounds. And you can have a part in that. I guess I'm here to say today, what are you uh, envisioning? What are you thinking about in terms of how you can engage with the nations that God is bringing to your community and to this area uh, now and wherever he takes you? It takes a heart that says, yes, Lord, yes, 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 that we just sang. Being available every morning to say, Lord, I'm yours. Uh, what you bring today, I'm, I'm prepared to step into as you open the door. And if you can live with that kind of an anticipation, um, wherever God puts you, he will be engaging others through you. He will be connecting you in ways that will just ama be amazing. I have that anticipation for each one of you, and I guess that's what we want to leave with you today is uh, as you live for God's glory, be available to him. Be available to him. This is a unique week here on campus. Uh, we'll be around for a bit. There are others here. There are some that are working in this very area. I would just suggest uh, Sophia Wong is here with SEND. She's uh, connected with the Philadelphia Diaspora Network. That might be a connection you would want to make. Liz McLaverty is here with World Team. And World Team has an international neighborhood network team forming in North Philadelphia that is engaging those that are coming our way. That could be a link, and maybe you'd want to talk to some of these other reps that are here today, global engagement specialists, let's call them, uh, that have stories to tell and can uh, share with you how you could be engaged with the nations that God is bringing. It starts with a heart that says, I am a part of God's peculiar people, as it says, his unique people, to proclaim his excellencies, the one who has called me out of darkness into light. And that story is one you want to be able to share with others around you every day you live. Uh, that's our testimony. That's how God's led us. And we want to invite you to uh, lunch if you have a chance. We're going to be in the ADR, I think, with those that can gather there. We'd love to talk to any of you that have a few minutes uh, this afternoon or early this afternoon before we head back. Thank you very much.